Howdy. Before we begin today, we just want to say thank you to everyone who's been sending us notes, who's been supporting us on Patreon, and just talking about the show in general. We thank you for your support. Yeah, and I want to send a shout out to my one of my favorite listeners of our show, uh, Abby McIver, who turns 10 years old this week, and she listened to the shows on Santa Ana because uh, in her school, she had a play on the Alamo, and she got to play Savannah Anna, uh, <laughs> and she picked Santa Anna, the character, because Santa Anna was the most interesting and had the best lines. So <laughs> way to go, Abby. Good job. And I'm wow. glad we could help you learn more about Santa Anna. That's great. We're glad we can help. And if you're a teacher or an educator or you just want to let people know about Texas, we're happy to have you share the show with people. If you have questions about it, just go to brainstable.com and send us a note. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, you can always go to patreon.com slash Texas podcast to help support the show financially. And without further ado, here's the show. Kind of a Nancy boy, but I like that podcast. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. A lot of memorable characters came out of the Texas Revolution, but few can claim to be as hardworking as Deef Smith, the legendary scout and spy who worked tirelessly from the Siege of Behar to well after the Battle of San Jacinto in service to the Republic of Texas. But first, what's your favorite way to cool off in the hot, hot Texas summer heat? Swamp coolers. There's, <laughs> no, there's nothing quite like the distinctive smell and sound of an evaporative air conditioner. What, do you live in New Mexico? No. <laughs> we lived in North Texas and it got to be 100 degree, 120 degrees. Yeah. A swamp cooler was the way to go. Well, Scott, what's your favorite way to cool off from this century? Well, while I agree that generally the best way to keep cool is to sit within the modern convenience of an air-conditioned home, um, but for pure entertainment and just that feel of really cooling off on a hot summer day, it's uh, taking a dip in the Rio Frio out in the Texas Hill Country. Oh, yeah. It's always cold. It's always wet. Well, I was thinking uh, you keep it a little closer to home. I think any good swimming hole... Or a swimming pool is always a you know I think I think wet you got to get wet and cold like Schlitterbahn. But if you Schlitterbahn, if you can handle it. But if you're just in a, just a day, just get yourself an ice cold Dr Pepper, man. <laughs> ice cold. Uh, yeah. Or you could visit the Texas shaped pool. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Hooray for Texas. <laughs> Erastus Smith was born in April 1787, in Dutchess County, New York, the son of Chaleb and Mary Smith. They moved to Natchez, Mississippi Territory when he was 11 or 12. They once visited Texas in 1817, but didn't stay. Sometime before he returned to Texas in 1821 at the age of 34, he had lost his hearing due to some unknown disease. Thus, his nickname was born. His nickname was Deaf, Deaf Smith, and Deaf is another pronunciation that is correct for the time. Not long after returning to Texas, he met and married a Tejana woman named Guadalupe Ruiz Duran. They had four daughters, three of which survived to adulthood. They settled in as part of the Green DeWitt colony on the plot of James Kerr, who was one of the colonists, and is about one mile west of present-day Gonzales. 
This was one of the first American colonies west of the Colorado River and the first in DeWitt's colony. Deef made his living trading cattle, even introducing a breed of muley cattle from Louisiana into this area, which was previously dominated by Texas Longhorn. While he lived near Gonzales, Smith based his cattle trade near the San Jose Mission in San Antonio de Bejar, and his wife's family lived downtown. Deef moved freely between the Anglo and Hispanic communities, earning respect from all with whom he dealt. These relationships would serve him well in the years to come. Now, if things had happened differently, Deef Smith would probably not have been very central to the events of the Texas Revolution. He seemed content to just mind his own business and intended to stay neutral to surrounding events as the conflict heated up and the armies began to march. Now, it just so happened, though, that Smith had been out hunting with his son-in-law when Stephen F. Austin and his army began to lay siege to San Antonio in October of 1835. Increasing security, the Mexican garrison in the area refused to allow Deef entry back into the town to see his family. Understandably upset, he turned around and immediately enlisted in the Texan army. He wrote to Austin, quote, I told you yesterday that I would not take sides in this war, but sir, I now tender you my services as the Mexicans acted rascally with me. This pivotal event pushed Deef to take sides in the conflict that up to this point he had been content to avoid. Deep's knowledge of the Texan terrain and connections with the community would prove invaluable to the insurgency. He provided essential scouting intelligence before the Battle of Concepcion, regarded as the first major engagement of the Texas Revolution. Soon after, he was the one who discovered the pack train of mules bearing fresh-cut grass for the Mexican horses, leading to the infamous Grass War during the Siege of Bejar. In December of 1835, Deef Smith guided Texan troops into town for the Battle of Bejar and was wounded at the Veramendi House at nearly the same moment that Ben Milam was killed. As Smith's services as a spy were sorely needed, he stayed with the army despite his injuries. After the battle was over and the remaining Mexican troops sent on their way, Deef moved his family to Colombia, which is now present-day West Colombia, on the Brazos River, and then he returned to the battlefield. After recovering from his injuries, Deef continued to make his mark on history. Colonel William Barrett Travis, who called him the bravest of the brave in the cause of Texas, made Smith his personal courier. It was Deef who actually bore Travis's famous letter from the Alamo to General Houston, and he conveyed the colonel's resolve to stand firm and defend the mission on February 15, 1836. A month later, after being with Sam Houston at the signing of the Texas Declaration of Independence at Washington on the Brazos, Smith was dispatched back to Behar on March 13th to determine the fate of the Alamo. Houston said of Deef to Secretary of War Thomas Rusk, quote, If living, Smith would return with the truth and all important news. The news with which Smith returned was carried in the form of Alamo survivors Susanna and Angelina Dickinson. This was an event that was dramatized as a daring rescue by Texas Rangers in the Texas Rising miniseries. Um, in reality, it probably wasn't very exciting. He probably just came across them on the trail. Following the Alamo Massacre, Houston first assigned Smith to the cavalry unit led by Captain Henry Carnes, but soon promoted him to captain and put him in charge of new recruits. This would not be his only role in the Army, however. Deef continued to operate before, during, and after the Battle of San Jacinto in a variety of small groups to gather intelligence and support the continuing campaign. By all reports, he was a very busy man, operating almost continuously through the Revolution. Some of the key events that Smith had a part in included the capture of a Mexican courier carrying dispatches that revealed the strength and location of Santa Ana's army. 
and after requisitioning, quote, one or more axes, Deef and his men were sent to destroy Vince's bridge to prevent the retreat of the Mexican army at San Jacinto. I, I, like, get, I like that one or more axes. That's pretty, yeah, yeah, that was a quote. <laughs> That's, That's very like specific. An actual description of the time. <laughs> um, and again, this was an event that was dramatized greatly in uh, the movie Texas Rise, the miniseries Texas Rising, where they showed them blowing up the bridge with kegs of gunpowder, when in reality, it was probably five or six men with axes that just chopped down a, a couple of planks. Right. Yeah, it was a couple of planks, a rope bridge with a couple of planks. It wasn't uh, a stone causeway, causeway <laughs> Roman aqueduct. <laughs> but it was still important. It was yes. a strategic, yes, it was a big strategic thing he took care of. After the Battle of San Jacinto was over, Deef Smith was sent by Sam Houston, and he carried Santa Ana's withdrawal order to General Vicente Filasola. And then finally, Deef was also involved in the capture of General Cause, who's Santa Ana's brother-in-law, who had actually escaped the main battle. Now, following San Jacinto, uh, General Secretary Russ continued to keep Deef busy as a scout. While he returned to his family long enough to move them from Columbia to nearby Richmond, Smith ranged far and wide through the Texas landscape. During one period of July 1836, he went missing for two weeks, and they thought he'd been captured by the Mexican troops. Um, and interestingly, during this time period, uh, Smith's family, who was you know, more or less destitute because he was gone all the time and wasn't around to support them, um, there's some indication that they had some kind of dealings with Santa Ana himself, who was being held at the nearby port of Velasco. Eventually, Smith returned to his family, having resigned his commission in the army. Uh, he did his job. Job well done, yeah. sir. We salute you. And while he'd been rewarded land in San Antonio as a reward for his service, he elected to remain in the Columbia-Richmond area. Then finally, almost a year after the Battle of San Jacinto, Deef Smith raised his own company of 20 Texas Rangers. Even though he'd already been operating in a manner similar to the Rangers most of a year, it was not until early 1837 that he officially took on the role. Deef's Ranger Company patrolled the Texas frontier, and they encountered a superior Mexican force near present-day Laredo on the Rio Grande on February 17, 1837. Two of his men were killed, 10 Mexicans were killed, and many others were wounded. The Rangers also captured 40 horses. Now, he didn't see a point in continuing to fight a stronger opponent, so he broke off the fight, and he brought his men back to San Antonio. Not too much later, Deep Smith resigned from the service with the Rangers and returned home to Richmond, where he continued to live out his life peacefully, until his death at a friend's house on November 30th, 1837. He was 50 years old. So, this was about a year and a half after the Battle of San Jacinto, so that means that during the Texas Revolution, he was... 48 or 49 years old already. So he was working very hard at a pretty advanced age for the time. Mm -hmm. Upon hearing of his death, Sam Houston wrote in a letter, My friend Deef Smith, in my stay and darkest hour, is no more. A man more brave and honest never lived. His soul is with God, but his fame and his family must command the care of his country. After his death, he was buried at the Episcopal Churchyard with a very simple marker, which read, Deef Smith... The Texas Spy, died November 30th, 1837. His widow moved back to San Antonio, taking up residence on the parcel of land that he'd been awarded by the Republic. Deaf Smith County is named in his honor, and the 41st Texas Legislature erected a monument at his grave in 1931. Yeah, so I, I find Deaf Smith pretty interesting because, you know, he's well known as far as his connection to the Texas Revolution, but we don't 
really know a whole lot else about him that I could find. Um, but he was very, very busy during the Texas Revolution. Basically, he was intent on staying out of everything, but then he couldn't get in to see his family. And so that was pretty much the last straw for him. And he was like, all right, well, I guess I'm fighting for Texas. And he fought long and hard. Well, me moved around a lot when I was a kid, but uh, I actually ended up graduating high school. I spent the last two years of high school in Richmond, Texas, uh, which is now, for those in the Houston area, it's Lamar Consolidated ISD. And uh, there's, there is a Deaf Smith Elementary there, of course. And uh, it's one of those funny things of, if you're not familiar with, intimately familiar with the Texas Revolution and some of the people, you see this Deaf Smith Elementary and people think, well, that's an odd name for an yeah. elementary. <laughs> that's a weird place to send children. Is yeah, that yeah. for deaf children? And right. like, no, no, right. it's not for deaf children. It, it, it's named for the man. <laughs> what about, Is a, what, a about hero. what about deaf children? <laughs> no, it, it's funny. You, you had asked me earlier about the pronunciation of deaf Smith County. And it's like, that's actually when my research is like, well, the residents there mostly call it deaf Smith, but deaf Smith is, you know, another pronunciation. Yep. And the elementaries, uh, I remember, was it was Deaf Smith Elementary. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Deep sounds more old-timey. It sounds yeah. old. I'm going to go have a sarsaparilla yeah, and, and get me a piece of rock candy. <laughs> Deaf Smith County is about as far from where he actually lived as you can humanly get and still be in Texas. Sure. It is west of Amarillo. Yeah, it's one so of the, up there in the panhandle. Yeah, it's one of the 10 counties in Texas that was carved out of this huge ranch uh, in the 1800s. But uh, yeah, it's way out there. I don't think he ever ventured that far in his range. No, no. The thing I was going to say about Death Smith is he's a really prominent figure that we read about in school and you sort of learn about him as a part of the Texas Revolution. But but we don't really think of him in probably the same regard as we do people like Davy Crockett or even Jim Bowie in terms of being like, you know, super, we like, Everybody at that time was like super rough and tough and and yeah. amazingly resilient, but uh, you know he was a really he was a a, a really brave hard fighter. Uh, in researching this stuff and talking about Deep Smith, uh, I came across there's a great quote from Tall Men with Long Rifles, which is uh, our old friend Creed Taylor. And this is a I'm just going to read what he wrote. This is probably one of the most heroic things I've seen written about about uh, Deef Smith. As we came in full view of the Mexican breastworks, the music changed to the lively strains of Yankee Doodle. But just at the moment, something occurred far more inspiring and thrilling. Mud spattered and on a foaming steed, the heroic Deef Smith dashed up along the lines, frantically waving an axe above his head, shouting, Vince's bridge is gone! No escape, boys! Fight fast and hard! And then wheeling, the gallant old scout ran ahead over the barricade. His horse exhausted, stumbled and fell, throwing the rider among the enemy. Smith quickly arose and drawing his pistol, attempted to shoot a Mexican who was about to run him through with a bayonet. For once the scout's trusty pistol failed to fire, but he hurled the weapon at the head of his assailant. As the stunned Mexican staggered back, Smith seized his gun and dispatched him. So if it's worth anything to history, I can vouch for the fact that Deef Smith began the fight and drew the first blood at San Jacinto. The Texan yell was the order to charge, and like a cyclone thrashing through the forest, we went over the dirt and brush barricade without halting. So I'm sure that is 100% factual and backed up by historical. I'm record. sure Creed Taylor <laughs> would never stretch the truth at all. But what a great story! And and I was this was probably the scene, not to get too much off off track, but you know, Deep Smith was such a central figure to um, Texas Rising. 
this was the scene I wanted to see. I right, wanted to see right. his horse <laughs> drop dead of exhaustion as he threw the axe down, and then he like throws his pistol in a Mexican's face and you know just charges in into the enemy. Yeah, and yeah. is screaming, "Let's go!" Yeah, yeah uh, not 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 had not coughing his lung out and then collapsing. The right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that and that was the other thing that I was looking for when I was doing the research for this. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, in the in the show, they portray him as. I don't think they ever said it, but they portray him as having tuberculosis, and that's what he ultimately dies of in the show. I could not find anything in my research that specified his cause of death. Um, mm-hmm. It's very likely, given the time period, that that could have been a cause. Um, so, you know, you can't fault him for finding something that people mm-hmm. could latch onto in a show. But, uh, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting guy. Hard-working man. You have to be somebody important for Sam Houston to write your eulogy. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I died and Sam Houston wrote my eulogy, it'd be kind of a Nancy boy. Yeah. But yeah. I like that podcast. Yeah. Well, well it's <laughs> it's interesting about it's interesting that this came from Creed Taylor because Creed Taylor was a boy who grew up in the DeWitt colony nearby uh where Deef's Deef's family lived and where he lived. They were so, neighbors. They were neighbors, neighbors in in the sort of way of the old times, right? You know, only only <laughs> a, only a mile apart, right? But uh, but but you know, as a young as a young kid, probably Dave Smith would have been one of his personal heroes. Like, there's that there's that Dave. He's he's my hero, and so it's it's ironic and and fascinating that that Creed himself, just like Dave Smith during the revolution, seemed to find himself in every single spot that was important in the revolution, except maybe Goliad. Creed Taylor later found himself in just about every single spot that was important in the history of early Texas. Yeah. You know, and I think it's important. What else is important or interesting about uh, Dave Smith's story is, yeah, he's, he's pretty well known for, you know, what he did and he happened to be in the right place at the right time in a lot of cases, but he's kind of the hardworking blue collar version of the Sam Houston's and the Davy Crockett's and the Mm -hmm. Jim Bowie's. It's like for every Jim Bowie and Davy Crockett, in Sam Houston, there were probably 10 or 20, 30 or more regular farmers and Texans that are out there fighting just alongside them. And another fascinating thing about Dee Smith that we didn't really get into very much was that his family really represented the the truly multicultural nature of the Texas Revolution. Dee was married to a Tejana woman, and so his children, his daughter was, were of mixed heritage and combine the cultures of the Anglo and the Tejano. So the son-in-law that he was hunting with uh, was a freed black slave named Hendrick Arnold. So you have a representation here of essentially every group except the Native Americans uh, that participated in the Texas Revolution, uh, the entire experience here in, in the family of Duke Smith. Another interesting thing to me about the the Deve Smith story in his life is, you know, he was a central character in everything, and he was a steadfast friend to everyone, and and such a major part of the Texas Revolution. But yet, he never really he didn't profit from it. Like he didn't come out of it, other than he had some land and he had some other pieces. But uh, you know, the the family just sort of got by. It wasn't like he you know, became like a, a cattle baron or an empresario or something like that. He just sort of got by. Like he did his duty and then he just went back to living. He really does exist within the context of this this particular time period. Good guy. They should name some more schools after him. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, no, that would mean less schools named after Travis. Yeah. yeah. I went to Travis Elementary. I went to Travis Elementary. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave us some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. Why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. If you'd like to support the show financially, please go to patreon.com slash texaspodcast. We know you love this show, so get out there and do your duty. Tell your friends. Make them leave a review on iTunes because that's what really helps us out to find new listeners just like you. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. Thank you.